Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 9.14 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 16th of September, 2019. This is episode 138 of Bitcoin and... And wow, man, uh, that whole thing in Saudi Arabia, right? Oh, God. So, yeah, I completely missed it, too. Somebody said something on Twitter about it, and I was like, what wh- What are you talking about? How did I miss it? Because yesterday was my anniversary, and I was doing anniversary things. Wasn't looking at Twitter, wasn't looking at pretty much anything, just my wife and and family. So I completely missed it. And I'm really thankful that that I did because, you know, you have to be able to step away from this garbage, right? I mean, when, you know, this kind of thing, the oil spiking 5% and, you know, drones penetrating Saudi Arabia air defenses. I mean, this shit's going to get weird, okay? So... Buckle up because GM is on strike and it looks like there's a teacher's uh, union that looks like they might strike. And you got the Fed trying, you know, uh, getting pressure put on to, to lower rates. You've got all kinds of weird stuff going on. And this is why we Bitcoin. Right. So just keep that in mind. Be able to step away from all this and focus on what is important, which would be yourself and your family and your friends. Again, it's called Bitcoin and for a reason, because it can't always be about Bitcoin. All right. But we are going to be talking about Bitcoin today because it is Bitcoin and. So uh, let's see. We got a a shout out, a congratulatory shout out to American underscore Hodel, who has yet been banned again and has found another burner phone number and has come back as American underscore Hodel. Usually I recognize when uh, American Hodel follows me, you know, but because of yesterday and the anniversary and all, I, I completely missed the fact that a new account, I think his sixth or something like that, followed me. So I had to follow him again and then put him back on my Bitcoin list so I could see what was going on. And it it, it appears <clears throat> that um, Crypto Scam Hub has a, he's got a tweet out here. It says, okay, it's official. The Guinness world record for most permanent Twitter bans was awarded to American HODL. And as you know, crypto scam hub does some really neat things in, in either Photoshop or other types of things and has given awarded American HODL with, with the uh, Guinness world record for the most Twitter bans. And I think he probably deserves it because that dude gets banned more often than I've ever ever seen. So again, uh, shout out, congratulatory shout out to American Hodel, who now holds the world record for most permanent Twitter bans. And something else that should be banned is the Bitcoin.com wallet. 
Uh, what am I talking about here? Well, there is a tweet from Dan Darkpill says, retweet if you think the Bitcoin comma com, because we don't ever, we do this, this thing where we put in like Bitcoin and like, I don't know, some kind of placeholder for the dot because we don't ever want to send anybody to Bitcoin.com because it's a scam site. All right, so he says, retweet if you think the Bitcoin comma com, while it is unworthy of any HTC product, also post reasons in the comments. Well, so what is he talking about? Apparently, HTC announced its partnership with Bitcoin.com to add Bcash support for its Exodus 1 blockchain phone. The new function will come with Bitcoin.com's pre-installed wallet and be rolled into the Exodus 1 software update. Bitcoin.com will also sell the Exodus 1 and all future versions. So, yeah. Now, Rain Dog Dance at Rain Dog Dance comes back and says, should have checked Trustpilot. 67% of all review ratings uh, reviews rating the Bitcoin comma com wallet with one out of five stars, which gets it bad. And sure enough, he's got a screenshot of that that shows 30% is rating Bitcoin.com's wallet is excellent. There is 1% for great, 1% for average, 1% for poor, and bad rates at 67%. So this is just, this is a, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird rating skew, but yeah, stay away from Bitcoin.com. If you're new and you're listening, you don't go to internet.com to learn about the internet. Okay. You, you don't ever do that. <laughs> Same thing for Bitcoin. If you're, if you want to get into Bitcoin, stay away from Bitcoin.com. Uh, they have absolutely, they've absolutely blown it with, with pretty much everybody. Um, Oh, okay. Let's get into that's community stuff. Let's get into the morning roundup here. Um, this is out of this is uh, Georgie Cant or Jory Cant writing for Coin Telegraph, uh, September the fourteenth. <clears throat> Square Crypto grants one hundred thousand dollars U.S. to open source crypto payment processor. Who are they talking about? Uh huh. Yeah, BTC Pay Server. <laughs> Bitcoin supporting payment services Square Crypto is giving the first of what will be many grants to support open source Bitcoin projects to BTC Pay, uh, Pay Foundation. On September the 14th, Square Crypto, the crypto focused branch of mobile payment company Square, took to Twitter to announce that it is providing BTC Pay Foundation with a grant of $100,000 to support BTC Pay Server, an open source cryptocurrency payment processor. BTC Pay Server can allocate the funds to create anything, quote, as long as it's free and open source software that improves the security, scalability, privacy, user experience, or fungibility of Bitcoin or all of the above. In quote, the Square Crypto team added, quote, BTC Pay represents everything we love about open source Bitcoin projects. It exemplifies the ideals of our community and promotes adoption by letting merchants accept Bitcoin, control their private keys and self-validate their coins. It also creates powerful real world applications for Bitcoin without sacrificing, sacrificing user experience or requiring trusted third parties, end quote. Square Crypto went on to explain why they are giving a bunch of money to BTC Pay Server, a product that appears to be in direct competition with its own services. Square explained, quote, existing payments companies have a choice to make, adopt, or sorry, adapt or be left behind. This isn't an investment in a competitor. It's an investment in the future of money, something that Square obviously has a stake in, end quote. 
As Cointelegraph reported at the end of July, project manager at Square Crypto, Steve Lee, emphasized in a Twitter Ask me anything that his team is particularly keen on developing support for the Bitcoin ecosystem. He added, quote, we are very, very pro Bitcoin. This is more than enough work for us to do there or there is more than enough work for us to do there. That said, we are open to emerging use cases and technologies that complement Bitcoin. And that's going to be all there is for that one. But yeah, man, that kind of came out of that kind of came out of left field. And you know, there's a, been a couple of things said about it, you know, that that whole thing about there appears to be, you know, competitors. And I guess in a way they are, but there's there's another way to, to there's another way that you can grow profits. And that's by growing the pie as a whole instead of trying to take somebody else's slice of the pie. And it looks like Jack, you know, uh, Square Crypto and Jack, uh, they kind of get this. They're growing a pie from kind of a tiny pie. I mean, come on, let's be real. We're, we're, I can't remember what the market cap is. It's somewhere around a hundred, hundred billion or something like that. And in either event, you grow the pie and everybody's slice ends up getting bigger anyway, without actually eating into somebody else's uh, piece of the pie. So grow the pie. And your slice gets bigger without growing in size. All right, what uh, what's next? Oh, yes, the dying banking industry taking their last gas for air. <clears throat> Deutsche Bank joins J.P. Morgan's crypto payments network. This is Daniel Palmer writing for Coindesk uh, this morning. J.P. Morgan's blockchain-based payments initiative has added Deutsche Bank as its latest member. The addition brings the total number of banks signed up for the Interbank Information Network, or the IIN, to 320, according to a report from the Financial Times on Sunday. Announced in October of 2017, IIN is built on Quorum, the Ethereum-based blockchain network developed by the banking giant, and employs a stablecoin dubbed JPM coin. JP Morgan said at the time that the platform would slash the time and cost required when resolving interbank payment delays. IIN saw the start of remittance trials with J.P. Morgan's client banks in June. As per the FT report, the bulk of the member banks use J.P. Morgan to process USD payments. Deutsche Bank, though, ranks number one globally for clearing of euro-denominated payments. Takis Georgikopoulos, managing director of Treasury Services at JPM Morgan, told the newspaper that since IIN would have a would have very big natural limitations if IIN members were only drawn from the bank's client pool, the addition of Deutsche Bank is going to help us drive towards ubiquity. IIN brings let's just call it in in brings efficiencies by writing all the data on payments on a shared ledger, thus allowing problematic payments to be resolved more quickly and with less manual processes, said Deutsche Bank's global head of cash management, Oli Matheson. With his bank having recently cut back its investment banking businesses and now relying more on transaction banking, he said joining in is an important step that would reduce Deutsche Bank's cost and also allow it to offer better services to clients. Matheson added that in's plan to have 400 members by the end of 2019 is on track and that other major banking members are likely to be announced very soon. Yeah, well, you might as well be announcing obituaries because last I heard, Deutsche Bank is in the trash. Uh, they've cut a lot of jobs. They've peeled back a whole bunch of stuff. I, you, they're, they're in dire straits. 
And th- this thing makes it kind of sound like, oh, everything's just fine. No, it's not. It's not. Plus, it doesn't matter what JP Morgan does. The whole fact of why we Bitcoin is completely separate from what these guys are doing. They think they're eating into this, but they're not because they're still going to have inflation. They're still going to control payments. They're, it's it's just nothing. It's, it's a, for me, this is a huge nothing burger because it's going to be the same shit only on a blockchain. And as we all know, <laughs> you probably don't need a blockchain for that. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, David Babayan is writing for News BTC this, uh, sometime this morning that FATF pressure okay uh, pressures OKX to delist Monero, Zcash, Dash, Litecoin next. Okay, so here it is. The Korean wing of the cryptocurrency firm announced on Monday that it is going to stop trading of Monero, Zcash, Dash, Horizon, and Super Bitcoin. I didn't even know Super Bitcoin existed. Jesus, God, the shit forks all the way down. <clears throat> they were okay. They're going to stop trading all of this on their exchange. All the five assets, in one way or another, allows users to hide their financial transactions by introducing additional layers of security. OKX said in a note that the five cryptocurrencies could violate laws or regulations, policies of government agencies and major agencies. The exchange was citing FATF, an intergovernmental organization that combats money laundering on a global scale. The task force in October 2018 enforced its so-called travel rule, which requires cryptocurrency exchanges to obtain relevant users' information, including the virtual wallet addresses of senders and receivers involved in a cryptocurrency transaction. Privacy coins such as Monero and Zcash assist users in hiding those details. That makes it difficult for cryptocurrency firms to monitor and report those transactions to FATF. OKX said it would delist Monero, Zcash, Dash, Horizon, and Super Bitcoin merely to keep itself in line with the global watchdog's directives. The move has made OKX the second exchange to have gone after anonymity-focused coins under regulatory pressure. Earlier in June 2018, way before FATF had imposed the travel rule, Japan-based CoinCheck had removed Monero, Zcash, and Dash from its exchange after facing pressure from the Financial Services Agency. OKX would disable the privacy coins' deposits on October the 10th, 2019, Nevertheless, users will still be able to withdraw their privacy coins to their wallet addresses until December 10th, 2019. As exchanges operating uh, from FATF member states follow suit and start delisting privacy coins, the move could spell trouble on the world's fifth largest cryptocurrency by market cap. The $4.5 billion crypto asset Litecoin in August announced that it is going to become a privacy coin. Founder Charlie Lee went ahead and admitted that they are going to introduce confidential transactions in a future release of the full Litecoin node in 2019 after the online community accused him and core developers of abandoning Litecoin. The announcement kept Litecoin investors happy as it maintained the coin's bullish narrative intact. The LTC USD exchange rate has risen by more than 500% between December 2018 and July 2019 before Lee confirmed, excuse me, before Lee confirmed the development of confidential transactions. 
The upsurge majorly came on the shoulders of Litecoin's halving event, which earlier this year reduced the cryptocurrency supply rate by half. The LTC USD pair is now down by more than 50%, driven by higher demand for rival asset Bitcoin. And as the Litecoin project goes ahead with its plans of becoming an anonymity-focused coin, the likelihood of it being rejected by exchange oper- exchanges operating from FATF's 39 member states could go higher. So that's the end of that. Okay, so, <clears throat> you know, maybe privacy baked into the chain is not good. I know I'm probably just going to get a whole bunch of shit for that. But with something like Wasabi Wallet, which is external, it something like it kind of makes sense in the context of something like what we what I just read you because you got a whole bunch of ex- not a whole bunch but you got exchanges that are starting to really kind of come under fire from this not this non-governmental agency that apparently everybody is scared to death of and they probably are scared to death of it for good reason but my my point is is that if all these coins have privacy baked into the chain what if you didn't? Because privacy is not baked into Bitcoin's chain. However, privacy can be achieved through third, you know, through third-party applications. And Wasabi Wallet's a perfect, a perfect example of that. Exchanges don't know. I mean, once you go through Wasabi and mix that son of a bitch up, they don't know where it came from. They just know it came from Wasabi Wallet. Or, and, or you could, if you wanted to, I guess, you know, bounce it around after Wasabi to a couple of other wallets. They'd be able to track all that. I guess it would be kind of like a no-brainer to track it all the way back to Wasabi. And then exchanges would have to say, well, if it came from a Wasabi wallet, then no deal. But, I mean, at what point is at what point can something be built that mixes stuff completely differently every single time so you kind of can't tell if it's a wasabi wallet, I don't know. It's just it's just something I was thinking about when uh, uh, when I was prepping the show for the or uh, prepping the show, uh, coming across this particular uh, this particular article because you know if they're gonna delist it from exchanges, is you know that's sort of like the exchange thing is a whole driving thing of cryptocurrency right now. I'm not a fan of trading, but. A lot of people are, and it's dry. It, it and lots of people are, are are really correct when they say it helps price discovery. I can't argue against that. I I I'm in complete agreement. So anyway, if you're if you got Dash and Monero and Zcash, you know, just God sell it for Bitcoin and just be done with it. My God, it's not all that hard. Bitcoin mining power hits new high as half a million new ASICs go online. This is Coindesk's Wolfie Zhao. What a cool-ass name that is. September the 16th, so this morning. The computing power dedicated to mining Bitcoin has hit yet another new high, suggesting that more than 600,000 powerful new machines may have come online in the last three months. According to data from crypto mining pool, BTC.com, Bitcoin's two-week average hash rate had crossed another major threshold, reaching 85 exahashes per second, around 1900 UTC last Friday. Meanwhile, mining difficulty also adjusted to a new record of nearly 12 trillion. Notably, both figures have jumped 60% 60 since June the 14th. 
Bitcoin's mining difficulty, a measure of how hard it is to create a block of transactions, adjusts after two, every 2016 blocks or roughly every two weeks. This is to ensure the time to produce a block remains around 10 minutes, even as the amount of hashing power deployed by machines around the globe competing to win freshly minted Bitcoin fluctuates. Several new models of application-specific integrated circuits ASICs miners hit the market over the over the summer with an average hashing power of around 55 terahashes per second, assuming all of the 35 exahashes of new hashing power added since mid June came from these top of the line models. A back of the envelope cal- calculation suggests that more than half a million such machines have connected to the Bitcoin network. These powerful ASIC miners, made by major manufacturers such as Bitmain, Kanan. Uh, in a silicon and micro BT are priced from $1,500 to $2,500 each. So if more than half a million of them were delivered as estimated above the leading miner makers could have made $1 billion in revenue over the past three months. Bitcoin spiking hash rate and difficulty are in line with the soaring price earlier this year, which led to increasing demand for mining equipment that has significantly outstripped supply. It's also in part thanks to the rainy summer season in southwestern China, which resulted in cheap, abundant hydroelectric power. Further, there has been a growing interest in Russia's eastern Siberia region, where the Bratisk hydropower station built during the Cold War era has been utilized to power mining farms that are estimated to account for almost 10% of the total compute power on the Bitcoin network. Miners in China estimated earlier this year that Bitcoin's average hash rate in the summer would break the level of 70 exahashes per second, which happened in August. As such... Major minor manufacturers have already sold out equipment that is due for shipment until the end of the year with customers placing pre-orders three months in advance. Wow. Token Insight, a startup that focuses on analysis of crypto trading and mining activities, said in a report published Friday that additional supplies of miners are expected to hit the market in the coming months. Quote, following the drastic increase in Bitcoin's price, the Bitcoin mining market saw significant inflation in Q2 2019. Most of the miners from various manufacturers were in serious shortage and pre-orders submitted in QT, sorry, Q2 and Q3 are to be delivered by the end of the year, end quote, the report states. Therefore, the firm estimates mining difficulty will remain its growth in, will remain, will, ah, God, ah, I'm going to do that all over again. Therefore, the firm estimates mining difficulty will maintain its growth momentum to reach 15 trillion by the end of the year, with Bitcoin's average total hashing power crossing the threshold of 100 exahashes per second for the first time in its history. Wow, that's a lot of machines coming online all at once. So there's there's another report on this that looks at it from a different uh, kind of context. This is Samuel Wan. He's writing for News, B- uh, News BTC sometime this morning. Um, let's see what he's got to say. Data from blockchain.com shows Bitcoin hash rate is at an all-time high. Last week, it peaked at 98.5 exahashes per second. In addition, according to the mining pool, btc.com, mining difficulty is also at its highest ever level at 11.9 trillion All in all, miners' confidence in Bitcoin has never been higher, which is indicative of a project here for the long term. And some might say a bullish indicator. 
Hash rate refers to the computing power supporting the network by way of transactional processing. The higher the hash rate, the more secure the network. And Bitcoin's hash rate has never been higher, having a steady upward ascent since December of 2018. Indeed, as pointed out by industry observers, Bitcoin's hash rate is eight times what it was in December 2017, the height of the last bull run, uh, demonstrating a growing belief in the original cryptocurrency. The belief not only takes the form of more miners joining the network, but existing miners are also convinced enough to invest in more up-to-date equipment. This comes off the back of Bitmain announcing the release of the new Antminer 17 series. The Antminer S17e and T17e models offer improvement to hash rate by way of upgrades to heat dissipation technology. And as claimed by Binance CEO... uh, I never can pronounce his name, Zhao, as hashing power increased from growing mining confidence, so does price. In a recent tweet, he said, hash rate increase means more miners are investing in BTC. They are bullish. You know what follows. This is a belief echoed by the financial reporter Max Kaiser, who at the start of the month made a prediction that game theory would play out to result in a $28,000 Bitcoin price. In essence, game theory refers to the psychology of how and why people make decisions within a competitive environment. In other words, when applied to cryptocurrency, this relates to how to become the most profitable. Founder of alternative investment firm Otis, Michael Karnjandaproktikorn, Man, that's a mouthful. Put it like this, quote, Miners are incentivized to be good actors on the network. If miners want to earn rewards, they have to abide by the rules. Otherwise, miners lose time, electricity, and processing power. This is because mining has a recursive punishment system, end quote. And so game theory and Bitcoin's proof of work consensus mechanism, not forgetting the homeostatic mining difficulty algorithm, work in tandem to coordinate the efforts of people to ensure the best possible outcomes for all involved. Kaiser's reference to game theory merely attributes or attributes the cumulative combined cooperation of miners to provide a secure network adding to Bitcoin's inherent value. And as miners and potential miners take the stance of Bitcoin being a viable alternative to the legacy system, the more we can all benefit. That's right. So yeah, hash rate, I I still believe that it's a lagging indicator, but I don't know. There's God, if I say it's different this time, you guys are going to shoot me. Maybe it's different this time. I don't know. There's there's something about this particular move, and I've I've said it before, and it's hard. It's kind of hard to articulate here, but it, it for me, I really do think that it is about these guys, you know, putting as much hash power as they can get online as fast as they can, so they can mine as much Bitcoin as they can, and there's only one reason to do that they think that the price is just going to moon and it probably will. We just don't know when, because we're on this weird sideways, you know, thing that's been going on for, it seems like months, but clearly not. It's it's actually more like, I guess you could actually pull it down to hours or days, but still there's a lot of people that are saying, well, we're just in a bull market. And I don't, I mean, I think we saw a little bit of a bull market to get, you know, to 10,000, but it's just oscillating. You know, it's in this weird sideways consolidation, which I don't really have all that much of a problem with, but I don't see the bull here. Although this, the hash rate thing, it's kind of bullish. It's, I, I, 
I don't know what else to say about it. Okay, let's get into this one. Global central banks to question Facebook-led Libra over financial risks. This is Coindesk Daniel Palmer writing this morning. The Facebook-led Libra project is to face questions from 26 central banks over the perceived risks to financial stability posed by the cryptocurrency project. On Monday, the Committee on Payments and Market Infrastructure, a forum for central banks under the Bank for International Settlements, will quiz the Libra Association in Basel, Switzerland, officials told the Financial Times. The attendees will reportedly include the Bank of England and the United States Federal Reserve. European Central Bank Executive Board Member Benoit Cuyer will chair the meeting at which Libra is expected to answer questions on its plan, scope, and structure. The central bank's findings will be included in an October report for the G7 nations in October, obviously, an official told the FT. On Friday, <clears throat> following a meeting of EU finance ministers in Helsinki, Finland, Cuyer said cryptocurrency projects like Libra have raised, quote, very strong concerns. In a report from Bloomberg Friday, he reportedly said, quote, we've got to look very carefully at these projects. The bar for regulatory approval has been set very high, end quote. Collier added, however, that Libra has prompted fresh thinking on how to improve, improve our payment systems. Libra will likely have to make a strong case for its plans with regulators worldwide having voice concerns over the project, which would offer digital currency-based payments to Facebook's billions of global users. Most notably, perhaps last Thursday, Bruno Le Maire, the French economy and finance minister, threatened to block Libra in the EU, saying, quote, I want to be absolutely clear in these conditions we can cannot authorize the development of Libra on European soil. The threat to national currencies from Libra has also prompted authorities to ramp up plans for central bank-based digital currencies. The People's Bank of China is reportedly rushing to launch its digital yuan in the face of Libra, with a special team working on the project in secret offices away from the institution's headquarters. In his Thursday comments, Lemaire also suggested that he has discussed the creation of a public digital currency with ECB President Mario Draghi and Christine Lagarde, who will take over his position later this year. Collier added Friday that it was time for regulators to step up our thinking on a central bank digital currency, according to the Financial Times. So, nation-state-level shitcoinery. It's going to happen. There's, no, there's, nothing, that can, there's nothing that can stop it. I, you know, I'm kind of glad this is happening. Not because, I mean, I don't like Libra, but I never thought, thought of it as a, as a threat to Bitcoin. I did and still do think it is like very many other shit coins, which act as ablative armor to Bitcoin. Because while these dipshits are running around trying, you know, having meetings and, and hearings and, 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 just worthless, like whole shiploads of, of people's time spent on fucking nothing. Bitcoin marches on highest hash rate ever, ever. And it looks like that is not going to stop. You've got major mining manufacturers sold out for months. You got, you got people with zero inventory being begged to take pre-orders for whenever it is that they get inventory. And meanwhile, 26 central banks are going to grill this poor dude from Libra. Let that sink in. That's what a blade of armor is. That's what shielding will do. Okay, so from that standpoint, I don't hate shitcoins. 
I think they're good because as long as they're getting shot at, Bitcoin can do what Bitcoin does. Like this one from Colin Harper, writing for Bitcoin Magazine this morning, SparkSwap desktop lets users deposit Bitcoin directly into their Lightning wallets. Dubbed SparkSwap Desktop, the new product allows consumers for the first time ever to buy Bitcoin directly into their Lightning wallets using USD, according to a press release shared with Bitcoin Magazine. To use the feature, users wire a fee-free ACH transfer to U.S. domicile escrow account held by SparkSwap. From here, SparkSwap transfers the Bitcoin into the user's wallet using atomic swaps. This technique means that the process, while run centrally through SparkSwap, is completely non-custodial. Quote, there is really an extension of the technology we've built previously, making it easier for non-developers to use and adding a trading pair that we find the most compelling. While this specific app has been in the works for a couple of months, it is a step toward goals that we have had since we started almost two years ago, end quote, Trey Griffith, SparkSwap's founder, told Bitcoin Magazine. SparkSwap's existing stack had its beta release in April of 2019. Another first for the young company, the beta launch released the world's first user-ready atomic swap exchange to the Bitcoin public. This beta, however, was limited to Bitcoin and Litecoin trades. While this most recent news opens up the opens the exchange to fiat liquidity as well. For now, SparkSwap Desktop will cap buying amounts at 0.04 BTC to work within the channel limits reinforced by many of the wallets and tools the application integrates with. Griffith said that SparkSwap's team has it in mind to expand this limit over time if there is demand for larger transactions. SparkSwap Desktop is available for Mac, Windows, and Linux. Griffith explained that it's also compatible with any existing LND instance. Quote, we've focused on, in particular on Zap Desktop and the Lightning app since they support Neutrino, which makes them easy to get started with, but it works with any instance of LND at or above version 0.7, he said. We'd like to support other implementations and platforms in the future, and we're looking at ways we can make the integration with existing node providers even easier, end quote. Founded in 2017, SparkSwap quietly wrangled $3.5 million in funding from initialized capital, Pantera Capital, and Foundation Capital, among others, in 2018. This latest release, Griffith told us, is another notch in their belt as they work toward a more decentralized financial landscape quote we're trying to build applications that we think are important and valuable to bitcoin community and take advantage of the unique properties that lightning offers we don't have specific products or features that we're ready to announce yet but i think you'll continue to see us pushing toward a non-custodial financial system so while the ecb and the u.s federal reserve and, and 24 other major global central banks our grilling again, our, our good friend from Libra, this shit's happening. And there's nothing they can do about it. There's absolutely nothing that they can do about it. Because their their focus is on these these huge elephants in the room. They're not looking at the small little guys that can survive when the meteor strikes. It, there was all manner of little tiny mammals. When the the meteor that struck the earth that took out all the dinosaurs, yeah, there was actually a lot of little tiny mammals walking around, like smaller, you know, like mice and things around that size. They were able to survive. 
And that's what's happening here. Yeah, you're, you're seeing evolution play out at light speed, right? So, but again, buckle up. It's going to be a really interesting ride. Hodel Hodel wants you to clone its Bitcoin exchange. See, here's another one. This is Coindesk. This is Anna Bidakova. She's riding on September the 14th. Hodel Hodel plans to make its software freely available so anyone can launch their own version of the peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange. Announced Saturday at the Baltic Honey Badger Conference in Riga, Latvia, the plan is, in part, a recognition that Hodel Hodel's business model is vulnerable to regulatory crackdowns. History teaches us, oh, sorry, quote, history teaches us that if a government wants to shut you down, it will, in quote, Hodel Hodel CEO Max Kaiden told Coindesk, open sourcing the code for its smart, smart contracts, which Hodel Hodel intends to do sometime next year is a way to deal with the threat, Kaiden said, explaining, quote, let's imagine our domain gets blocked. Some activists would be able to just take the code from GitHub, fork it, and launch something new. Already, people in Africa, Asia, and Latin America have reached out to the company asking about such an opportunity. He said, quote, peer-to-peer is something emerging markets in particular are interested in, end quote. Hodel Hodel is a rare animal in the 2019 crypto world. As a matter of principle, it focuses on Bitcoin, the only cryptocurrency that the company's founders trust. It doesn't do know your customer checks and it has no plans to start. Why not? Quote, because we don't like three letter abbreviations. Hodel Hodel CTO Roman Snitko joked in a slide for his presentation to the Riga conference. In all seriousness, Hodel Hodel is averse to holding the sensitive personal information that financial institutions are mandated to collect from customers under global anti-money laundering regulations. Quote, we think KYC AML does more harm by exposing law-abiding users to fraudsters and criminals <clears throat> Snitco told Coindesk, the information and documents users upload to exchange exchanges has been stolen many times in the past. It also does very little to prevent actual money laundering and criminals from using those services. They always find ways, end quote. Yet regulators across the globe are tightening the screws on the industry to identify the parties to transactions. Most notably, the Financial Action Task Force, an intergovernmental body, has directed its member countries to make exchanges collect and store information about who their customers trade with. Hodel Hodel's founders believe that they don't have to identify customers because the exchange never takes custody of users' funds. Rather, it lists offers to buy and sell Bitcoin and provides an escrow service in which the seller locks Bitcoin in a multi-signature smart contract until the buyer sends fiat. Releasing the Bitcoin requires two out of three signatures belonging to the buyer, seller, and Hodel Hodel, which steps in as as a referee when there's a dispute. We don't touch, sorry, quote, we don't touch the crypto, don't match users automatically, and don't keep funds in our wallets. We create multi-sigs in a public blockchain, end quote, Kaidun said. In the same June guidance, the the FATF said even peer-to-peer platforms may be subject to such regulations in cases where the platforms facilitate the exchange. It's unclear whether Hodel Hodel's escrow service counts as facilitating, but the founders see the way the wind is blowing. We're not switching to the open source model exclusively because of the regulatory pressure, Snitko told Coindesk. In fact, we haven't experienced any due to the fact that we're a non-custodial exchange. However, we do foresee regulators becoming more desperate in their attempts to contain the spread of Bitcoin, and we refuse to be the victims of desperate actions. Man, I like the way this this guy talks. Yeah, that's ballers, man. At some point, Kaidun and Snitko might hand management. 
yeah, hand management of HODL HODL to others so they can focus entirely on supporting and upgrading the code. The exchange says it has no head office. Employees work remotely, serving 10,000 users worldwide. Quote, we want to create a community around us so that at some point we can pass the reins to other people, Kaidun said. There is no time frame for that yet. In his Riga presentation, Snitko also announced HODL HODL's intention to open Bitcoin smart contracts app store. <clears throat> Another way people can utilize the code is payments for e-commerce. And in the coming months, the team will focus on making the technology plug and play so people who are not proficient coders can easily deploy it in their online store and accept Bitcoin. Quote, we want to launch a a platform for Bitcoin smart contracts so that anyone who wants to sell homes online or do over-the-counter trades could use it, Kaidun said, adding that it might be a multi-sig with more than three signatures and it can be used for multiple use cases. Aside from Bitcoin to fiat trades, HODL HODL's multi-sig escrow is used in a peer-to-peer predictions market when people bet on things like the price of Bitcoin or publicly traded stock, sports results, and other measurable outcomes. A real estate platform is also in the works with a launch tentatively scheduled for 2020, Kaidun said. So, yeah, I, I, I like the way that they're going. The only thing that, that kind of bugs me about it is, you know, whether you're using Bitcoin or fiat, food costs money, bills cost money, money costs money. You got to eat. You got to shelter yourself. You got to buy clothes. You don't have to buy Brooks Brothers clothes. But yeah, having, you know, not being naked and being a hairy naked ape out on the street, you kind of want to guard against that. So when, we, when we're looking at FOSS, you know, one of the biggest questions that I have ever had is, how do you make at least enough money so that you're not a miserable human being? It's not nec- I'm not talking about how do you make enough money to be rich and buy huge, massive yachts. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, how do you make enough money so that you're not miserable and that you're relatively happy? I mean, as long as you're happy, it doesn't matter, kind of doesn't matter how much money you do have, but you got to eat, you got to drink water, you got to clothe yourself, you got to shelter yourself and all this shit costs money. Whether again, whether in Bitcoin or fiat, so that's the the thing that kind of worries me about this. But I'm still, you know, huge amount of applause to Kaidun and crew for um, seeing the seeing where this shit's going because he's absolutely correct. They are going to get more desperate, and we like you know echoing his sentiments. We do not want to be victims of desperation. Okay, so Bitcoin mining power hits. A new, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. For some reason, this came up twice. That's going to do it for your morning roundup. Your vital statistics brought to you by bitinfocharts.com and mempool.space. We have a price of Bitcoin at 10,195. And it looks like the high is over at Simex at 10,214. Low is going to be over at, uh, who's got who's got my low? GDAX at $10,134. It is 9.57 a.m. Central Daylight Time. 321 transactions have been made over the last 24 hours, with 13,400 being made on average per hour. 
825,000 BTC have been sent in that period uh, in the past 24 hours. An average cent per hour is 35,000 BTC. Average transaction value is 2.5 BTC, and the median transaction is low at 0.019 BTC, which is about 100, about right around 200 bucks. And block time is still freaking low at eight minutes and 14 seconds. Didn't we just have a difficulty adjustment? Shit, guys, we just had a difficulty adjustment and we have, man, my God. Okay, I'm sorry, that 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 kind of caught me by surprise. Let me get back to the regular way we do this. 0.14 BTC have been taken as fees on a per block basis. 25 BTC have been taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. Uh, 5.44% increase in the hash rate takes us to 92.2 exahashes per second. And the last uh, commit to GitHub was sometime this morning. Ethereum is seeing a little bit of a run at 190. Bcash is at 303. Litecoin is at 70. BSV is at 120. Ethereum Classic is at 6 dollars and 16 cents and dogecoin is chugging along at 0.0025 usd with 25,000 transactions over the last 24 hours it beats no one no one god not even it doesn't even beat ethereum classic oh well poor little doji mempool it looks like we're 14 blocks deep with 8,600 unconfirmed transactions uh blocks look pretty much yeah they're all like 1.2 1.3 megabytes so told yeah that looks normal anyway that's gonna do it for your vitals okay so you know we're used to narratives bitcoin is all about narratives you know narrative remember the narrative of the mining death spiral how did that work out how many times has Bitcoin been pronounced dead? How many times is have we heard that yet some new shiny shit coin is going to supplant Bitcoin? And none of it happens. It never happens. Uh, the narratives in this space is just, are huge. But I'll tell you one thing. There's a guy who's no longer with us anymore. He was all about narratives too. This man... He could tell a story. As I walked out on the streets of Laredo, as I walked out on Laredo one day, I spied a young cowboy all wrapped in white linen. Wrapped in white linen As cold as the clay I can see by your outfit That you are a cowboy These words he did say As I boldly walked by Come and sit down beside me And hear my sad story I'm shot in the breast And I know I must die It was once in the saddle I used to go dashing Once in the saddle I used to go gay First to the card house 
and then down to roses. But I'm shot in the breast and I'm dying today. Get six jolly cowboys to carry my coffin. Six dancehall maidens to bear up my paw. Throw bunches of roses all over my coffin. Roses to deaden the clods as they fall. Then beat the drum slowly, play the fife lowly, play the dead march as you carry me along. Take me to the green valley, lay the sod o'er me. I'm a young cowboy, and I know I've done wrong. Then go write a letter to my gray-haired mother and tell her the cowboy that she loved is gone. But please, not one word of the man who had killed me. Don't mention his name, and his name will pass on. When thus he had spoken. The hot sun was setting. The streets of Laredo grew cold as the clay. We took the young cowboy down to the green valley, and there stands his marker we made to this day. We beat the drum slowly, played the fife lowly, played the dead march. As we carried him along, down in the green valley, laid the sod o'er him. He was a young cowboy, and he said he had done wrong. Yeah, if you can't tell, that was Johnny Cash. Uh, that was off his last album, uh, which was released right before he died. American Four is the name of the album, and if you if you if you got some extra Satoshi's jingling in your in your wallet, man, go buy that thing. He does a lot of tunes. One of the tunes that he covers on that is uh, is uh, Hurt from Nine Inch Nails, and it's it's absolutely it's beautiful. Everything I, I'm a huge fan of Johnny Cash. Uh, why why I don't know because. I don't necessarily like, you know, like folk music or I don't necessarily like country music, but there's something about that man's voice and his ability to spin a yarn. Um, of course, Streets of Laredo is an old song. I mean, it's it's not something that he wrote, but, uh, you know, the album is basically filled with covers, um, probably, you know, a lot of stuff that, you know, that that influenced him way back because a lot of these songs are really old. And as far as I can tell, he didn't write. I don't think he wrote any of them. I think it was a completely 100% album of, of covers. But it's it's a it's a great album. It's a great road album too. Um, but you know that that's that's the song for the day. So let's let's get right on in. Daily Train Wreck is brought to you by Mike in Space. That's at Mike in Space, who somehow or another has just turned into a real. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with this guy. He's just getting like all up in maximalist uh, faces. It just, I don't know. It's weird, but humble is apparently not a word that Mike has in his vocabulary because he says, 
LOL, I've got way more Bitcoin than you will ever have. Keep thinking that shitposting on Twitter means anything. And this is in in response to, or this is a tweet, uh, a reply that he's made in many such tuffles that he's been involved in over the last couple of weeks. But this one is especially, especially weird because how do you verify shit like that? I mean, what are you going to do? Post up your, your <laughs> picture of your Bitcoin wallet. And even if you did do that, what, what, what's, what value is it trying to berate somebody by telling them that you have more Bitcoin than they have? You don't know how much Bitcoin they have. And if you do, that means the person you're talking to is a complete idiot because OPSEC is not part of their vocabulary, right? The, doing shit like that, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It, it's just, it really just makes sure that everybody can see your ass. My, I, my uh, late stepfather used to call, say that some, like if somebody screwed up, really bad. He would call it, uh, he, he, that guy just showed you his ass. That's what Mike did on this one. He's just showing his ass and he's showing his ass all over the place. So anyway, there, there's your smoldering pile. The Terrible Joke Corner was brought to you by Trog, M-D, T-R-O-G-M-D. He uh, didn't make the joke, but he definitely alerted me to it. Um, this is actually, the joke is from Ash, uh, sorry, Ash Toshi, or Ass Toshi, A-S-S-T-O-S-H-I, who says, what do you call a sleeping bull? A bulldozer. See, again, these really short jokes. That's, that's, that's the way you spin those. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of this. Um, I don't really know what's going on in the world right now. I mean, drone strikes in Saudi Arabia, especially, especially this, the, the, the absolute asymmetry of this is almost mind boggling. You got, I think they, I think they're, they're reporting 10 drones, 10 took out half, half of Saudi oil supply, which represents 10% of the world, world oil supply. So a bunch of cheap ass drones destroyed two, only two uh, pieces of infrastructure and takes out 5% of the world's oil supply. Just let that roll around in your head. All right. You know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to get weird. It's going to get really weird. Um, and if they don't like, there's actually an analyst who's saying, look, if they can get their oil, if they can get oil back online in seven days, that missing 5%, then we may not see $75 oil. But if it goes to seven days, you're looking at $75 oil. It's been hovering around 51, 54, somewhere around there per barrel. And obviously there was a huge spike in oil prices because of this. And it, I think it was 5%. And if they can't, the same analyst is saying, if they can't get this shit back in 30 days, you're looking at a hundred dollar oil. We haven't seen a hundred dollar, hundred dollar oil in a, quite a while. 
Um, and it, it hurts on gas prices. Uh, it hurts. It hurt, obviously it hurts everywhere, but the first thing your first clue you'll see is like, th- you know, $3 a gallon gas or something like that. Maybe even three fifty. in, in either event, just keep, keep it in mind that we talk about resiliency all the time and what not only has this demonstrated the effectiveness of asymmetric warfare, what it really demonstrates is just how fragile this infrastructure is because there's no backups, right? I mean, in this particular case, you got 5% of the world's oil supply on a day, a day over day basis, just cut out, cut out from underneath us with 10 cheap ass drones, Again, this is going to get weird. So buckle up, stack sats, buy Bitcoin, do everything you can to guard against this kind of shit. Because if they were to knock, you know, 10% of the hash power uh, of Bitcoin with a a cheap ass asymmetric drone strike, drone strike, the difficulty would adjust and everything. and, And we'd have 10 minute blocks in two weeks. I mean, it's, it really is that that relationship between hash power and difficulty adjustment is one of the greatest, one of the greatest constructions the human race has ever made because it guards against shit like this. I mean, you'd, you'd have to go all over the place to, to knock out enough hash power. In this case, they knocked out 5% of the world's oil supply 10 cheap ass drones within miles of each other. Right. So just think of it from that standpoint and you'll probably be all right. And with all that said, I'll see you on the other side of this whole shit show. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.